Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is April 17th, 2019, and this is episode 2424 of the Survival Podcast. It's Wednesday, so it's interview day, and I've got Aaron McKeon about to be on the line with us here in just a moment. He's going to talk about getting started with homeschooling. And a new website he has built that's located at b.education, not b.edu, b.education, one of those new fancy domain names. And uh, he's going to tell us all about that. He's going to tell us about why he got into uh, homeschooling in the first place, the lifestyle he's trying to build for his family, a little bit about side hustles, why he chose the side hustle that he did, what he learned from it, and how you can get involved and how you can learn more about homeschooling and help support the effort. We'll get to all of that and more in just a moment. Before we do, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Safe Castle Royal, the original survival podcast sponsor. They're the original one because they were the first. They were the first people that said, hey, Jack, we like what you're doing. We want to support your show. That's almost 10 years ago now. And they have been with us so since almost the very beginning, and they're still a loyal sponsor. They have everything you can need for your preps, from the practical to the tactical, and everything in between. You'll find it all at safecastle.com. They have an awesome discount membership program. It's $29 a year. You get it for life as an MSB in the member. For life, forever, you get it. And uh, so, you know, they really are a huge supporter of the show. Think of them when you're, when you're deciding... When you're deciding, you know, to, to pick some new stuff up for your prepping, think about the fact that this company sponsored us for a decade. Next up today, KnifeKits.com. I love Knife Kits because they help anybody that wants to get into the hobby, craft, business, side hustle of building knives. You know, take your pick from it. It allows you to start with a kit that is really easy to actually complete. takes a little bit of, you know, some, some finishing and some fitting and some use of hand tools and stuff like that, and, and you're going to want to learn how to sharpen and put a nice edge on the knife. Really affordable hobby to get into. For some people, it's just a hobby. For some people, they build a couple knives just to have something to say that they built themselves. Some people, they just get, you know, a couple here and there, and they build them with their kids so their kids have something. You know, that, I, I promise you. You know, you can go out and buy a kid a $500 knife. That's not a good idea. Um, but if you build a knife with your kid, they're probably going to have it when they're an old man. They probably are. Even if it's not a real expensive knife or a real amazing knife, it'll be something y'all did together. Knifekits.com is a place where you can start at that hobby level and go all the way up to you know, professional bladesmithing. They have some amazing raw material, Damascus steel, uh, Cape Buffalo horn. They even have mammoth tusk. I have a mammoth tusk knife uh, that was made with mammoth tusk from Knifekits.com by Patrick Rorman. So from beginner to expert, you can find everything you're looking for at knifekits.com. With that, let's go ahead and introduce our special guest today. Again, his name is Aaron McKeon. Uh, he is the founder of a new website called B.Education. He's here to talk to us about homeschooling, side hustles, and more. With that, hey, Aaron, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks. Very excited to be here. Hey, man, I'm glad to have you on today. We're going to be talking about homeschooling. You know I'm a huge advocate of that. I think a huge portion of this audience is uh, either homeschooling or if their kids are grown, they did homeschool or they're considering homeschooling. And we're really mostly talking to people that are like, they want to do it, but they're not sure how today. Uh, but before we do that, who the heck is uh, Aaron McKeon, man? What's, what's your background? Okay. Um, well, I might as well uh, start in high school since we're talking about education and um For me, the public school system actually worked. Um, you know, I I did pretty well by it. Um, I'd, of course, be remiss not to say my, my mother didn't play a huge role in pushing me to succeed, but I think it was more than that. I was pretty motivated as a child to get A's, um, but not out of some expectation laid on me or, or some kind of fear of not doing what was expected, but I think I've just always had a genuine desire to be good at things. And, you know, I think it helped that I was able to find some level of interest in all sorts of different subjects. Um, and so when I wasn't in school or doing extracurriculars, um, I was actually running my own business, developing websites and databases for local businesses. Computers had always come naturally to me, and I'd been doing it as a job ever since middle school. Um, and I found that I really loved running my own business. And Um, so when I was applying to colleges, that's sort of what I was leaning towards. Um, and so I got accepted to 
Babson College, which is, um, I guess, pretty well known for its program for entrepreneurship, was offered a scholarship and got admitted into their honors program and went on to graduate with a degree in business administration and uh, dual concentrations in entrepreneurship and management information systems. Um, although you'd be interested to know, despite being at a business school, my honors paper was actually on the evolution um, of how we went from these United States to the United States. So I've always been a proponent of decentralization of power, and um, I'm sure that has some influence on my thoughts on education. Um, but anyways, in my junior year, I was in a class that served as a mock consulting team for a local business, was offered a position later working for them in their IT department, um, developing new reporting systems. Um, and the ironic part was that I went to school for entrepreneurship, and I ended up working for the man for 15 years. Um, <laughs> funny how that works out. Um, but in all honesty, it was great for me, and I think the reason it worked so well was that I was allowed to practice entrepreneurship within the organization. Um, so after a couple of years in IT, I ended up pioneering a new sales model, and um, in, so, in doing so, became a salesperson for three years. Um, eventually decided that wasn't for me. They offered me a position in operations running a newly acquired manufacturing plant in California, um, which I later shut down and uh, moved back to our headquarters across the country. Um, ended up becoming the guy who figured out how to integrate newly acquired products and businesses. Um, people in the company literally started referring to me as the Renaissance man because I'd worn so many hats. Um, but I always found that funny because every time I went into one of these new assignments, I literally had no clue what I was doing, and I just sort of figured it out as I went along. Um, but eventually, uh, we're almost to present day. Uh, in 2013, I took an opportunity that merged my sales and operations experience into kind of what seemed like a logical progression of my career. And the only catch was that it involved me moving to Australia, which, to be honest, at the time didn't seem like much of a catch. Um, seemed like sort of a fun adventure to go on. Um, so two weeks after marrying my wife, we packed up and moved to Australia, and I uh, became effectively a general manager of a overseas um, subsidiary running a sales force and manufacturing operation. So um, that's all the, the lead up. And while I was in Australia, um, everything sort of changed for me. Um, this is where I stumbled onto the proverbial red pill moment. Um, to be honest, I have no idea what compelled me to do it, but I started looking into the topic of peak oil and found myself becoming convinced that we were on a um, sort of unsustainable path where increasing demands of our economy were going to surpass the availability of affordable oil. And now say what you will about the topic of peak oil, but even if I'm completely wrong on it, I almost don't care because uh, that idea of being forced to live with less abundant energy has effectively sort of put me on a path towards um, what I would think is a, a healthier and more resilient and more fulfilling lifestyle. And so it's kind of rekindled my childhood respect for the natural world and forced a huge reshuffling in my priorities. And so if that all wasn't enough, um, sort of around the same time frame, I finally realized what fractional reserve banking was and the difference between you know currency backed by debt versus gold or some other scarce resource. And honestly, all of this blew my mind even more than the peak oil thing. And it was suddenly clear to me that this entire system is basically rigged against us in favor of big banks and government and that the lifeblood of the economy and uh, daily life itself is backed by something, you know, pretty much fictitious. So I effectively swallowed two giant red pills all at once and down the rabbit hole I went. And you know how you know <laughs> when you've gone down the rabbit hole is when you start eating your own backyard rabbits. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was yeah, saying, when you catch happened. one, when you catch one, yeah. you know you went down the hole, right? Yep, yep, exactly. So I fell down pretty deep. Um, but living in Australia for three and a half years was great because uh, my wife and I got to learn all about permaculture, sustainability, raising animals like chickens, rabbits, and sheep. And it's also where we had our children and began thinking about how to raise them. Um, and so that's when it sort of hit me. You know, if you could go from K to 12 and on through business school and never even learn about something as impactful in your daily life as how our entire monetary system runs – what else has been missing from my educational experience, and worse, how much of it had been wrong? I mean, um, you know, on the whole fractional reserve banking thing and, and all that, When I distinctly remember my mother telling me when I was a kid that our money was backed by gold. And, you know, to her credit, when she learned that in school, it, it was still kind of true. But that truth became outdated in the 70s, and so I just wondered how many of the truths we accept in daily life are 
are based on just assumptions. Um, and it was then that I decided to um, take more ownership of my children's education. Um, and so that was the initial catalyst. But since then, and, and since I've started researching and um, figuring all this out, I've, I've um, found many more reasons to, to want to be homeschooling. So hopefully that wasn't too long-winded, but that's, no, that's, great. that's uh, the background on, on how I got to where I did. And probably different than most folks, but... Um, um, but that's how it all happened. So, you know, having kind of examined that and deciding that's what you wanted to do yourself, what challenges do you see for people that are considering homeschooling? Because I think that there's a lot of them, and it's maybe some aren't as big as people think, and maybe there's some that people don't really understand they're going to be there until they kind of get in the middle of it. Yeah, right. Well, um, definitely when, when you decide to, to personally take ownership over your children's education, you do realize how much of a serious commitment that really is, and and it can be a bit frightening, especially at first when when you don't know much about it. And so, you know, you tend to ask yourself, or at least for me, I ask myself questions like, "Can I do it? Do I have the time? Where do I start? What do I use?" Um, and and um, you know, so as if that's not all terrifying enough, what I've learned is that a lot of people are are doing it not even because they want to. So. You know, when I started researching homeschooling um, to see how many people were doing it and what the market was like out there, um, you know, I found that there was a huge sort of um, uptick in, in homeschooling in the first, uh, you know, between 2000 and 2010. And religion was a large piece of that. And people wanted better integration of their re- religion into homeschooling and or their, their kids' educational experience. But, but in more recent years, um, when they've done studies or, or surveys on why people – uh, pull their kids out of government school and start homeschooling. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've read the the data, but I think it was number one reason might be that um, their kids are just getting bullied so hard in school that they feel they have no other choice, like they have to do it. So they're almost being forced into homeschooling, and you know that's got to be even more terrifying for a parent because they're not even sort of doing it as their their first um, you know thought on how they how their child should be educated. And, so that's one piece, and also with special needs kids, a lot of people find that have special needs kids um, find that they're not getting the, um, you know, what they need for their child's education. Um, so they have to take it on themselves. And but I think, um, you know, at least for me, uh, once you go through a lot of those hard questions with yourself and start to understand education, you begin to realize that in many cases, you know, just how poor a fit the actual the system is. Um, you know, a system that you had assumed was was the right way to do things. Um, and I'm not saying that government school system is 100% bad. For many kids, it it can work great, as it did for me. But I think it would be a mistake to blindly assume that it's going to work for your kid. Um, so, um, sorry, so, so, so to go into some of those challenges, I guess, um, the first one, um, can I do it? And, um, you know, I think the simple answer is uh, yes, you can. Um you don't need to be a teacher by profession to to do it. Um, if you want to teach a fifth grader, you just need to be smarter than a fifth grader. <laughs> and um, I think you need to be humble enough to admit that you won't always have all the answers. But that's actually a good thing because I think um, making that admission to yourself opens you up to learning with your child, not just teaching at your child. Uh, and it, it forces you to reach out to other homeschooling families, which leads to um, better socialization and more of that tribal learning type environment that, you know, arguably we were meant to be raised in. Um, but honestly, if you care enough about your child's education to want to take on homeschooling, you're probably going to have what it takes to, to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I mentioned socialization there. I should have said that one first um, because that's inevitably that's always what everybody says. Oh, you know, how are your ch- children going to be socialized? Um, it's definitely, from what I've seen, people's number one concern by far. Um, but the truth is that I think oftentimes they end up becoming better socialized. And and I say that just from a lot of homeschooling kids that I've met. And you know, I think the reason for that is that they're not just thrown in a room with, a, you know, 20 kids that are all their same age. They're forced to um, be interacting with, you know, adults or kids that are a little bit older, kids that are a little bit younger, and it mirrors, you know, real life, and, and they become more mature people that can interact with, with um, you know, a wider array of people. So, you know, I think the whole socialization thing is a is a bit of a myth. Um, but that's that's definitely one challenge that I see people grappling with. 
Um, the other one is, you know, do I have the time to do it? Um, and, uh, you know, cause people work busy lives and a lot of hours and their kids are off at school for, for big chunks of time. And, but when you really strip out the weekends and the summer months, school holidays, time spent on the bus in between classes, settling the class down, assigning homework, there really isn't as much actual learning time as you might think. Um, and if you pull up the stats, I think they say the average American student receives a thousand hours of instruction every year. And if you divide that by 365 days, that's less than three hours a day on average. Um, and truthfully, you know, I think that the quality of, of those three hours is never going to be as good with 20 students as compared to one, two, or three, or however many is in your little homeschooling group. Um, and then finally, I'd say, um, you know, a challenge you, you hear a lot is, well, where do I start? What, what curriculums do I use? And um, I quickly learned when doing my initial research into homeschooling that there's a million different ways to skin the cat. Um, you know, do you want religion to be integrated into the process? Do you want to keep that separate? Uh, and then there's all these different philosophies, which I had no clue about when I went down this rabbit hole. Um, you know, Charlotte Mason, Montessori, Waldorf, classical, traditional, unschooling, world schooling. You know, honestly, the list goes on. Um, but here's the dirty secret. Um, I think they all work. And, you know, I hear you on your show every once in a while talking about different diets and how it almost doesn't matter what diet you pick. If you care enough to put yourself on a diet, you're probably going to lose weight and get healthier. And I think the same holds true for homeschooling. If you care that much about your kid's education, you know, you find whatever philosophy sort of fits your beliefs. But, you know, at the end of the day, they all seem to work and achieve great results. And it's really just what works for you and and your your kid's um, learning style and and all that. And I think the challenge then becomes just sifting through all the materials out there and um, figuring out what's going to work. Um, it's sort of like, you know, I, I picture it as a, as a Venn diagram and, you know, you got to find where that intersection for you is that uh, covers your own personal philosophy towards education as a parent um, and a teacher and, and how that overlaps with your child's actual interests and abilities and learning style um, as well as any other factors like religion or whatever, you know, might want to play a role in, in, in the whole experience. And there's thousands of products and services and websites, Facebook groups and broadcast, uh, blog posts scattered all over the Internet. Um, and it can be very overwhelming, especially for somebody just starting out. So I, I think that's a, a big challenge for people. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff is things that, you know, I worried about when I was younger. But, you know, I, I don't have an opportunity to homeschool my son now because he's 29. I always worried about the socialization thing, and I never really met any, many kids that were homeschooled. In the past 10 years, I've met a lot of kids that were homeschooled, and I've gotten to the point where I meet a kid, and I'm like, you're homeschooled, aren't you? And they're like, yeah. And, and the reason I can tell isn't because they're awkward. It's because they talk to me as though they're a young adult instead of a child. Yeah. And it's really dramatic. But then when you think about it, if you spend most of your time around adults, you act like an adult. If you spend most mm -hmm. of your time around children... You act like a child. So, I mean, socialized in what? Using drugs, bullying people. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like the, uh, the the public education system is turning out like the best of the best for us. And like I said, some people it works for. It worked for me okay. I was a slacker, uh, but I was an intelligent enough slacker to slack and, and do decently. Um But also, I think you're probably somewhere near my age. You know, we went to school in the 80s or the 70s. You know, I think things are a lot different today, and there's a lot more impetus Definitely. for for homeschooling. Um, but the socialization thing, I'm like, I I understand why people think that, but I'm like, all you got to do is go talk to some kids, especially you get up into like that 12 to 14 range. You're talking to a 14-year-old, you feel like you're talking to a 24-year-old. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you can tell they're not is because you look at them and go, "This kid's 14." And yeah. so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty stark and dramatic how well uh, it's worked for the people that have given it a go. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. It, I mean, it was just the best word I can describe used to describe it was just weird. Like the first time I met a big homeschooling family, I was like, "This is sort of strange." Like they're also you know, mature and grown up. And, but you, like you said, you're looking at them and they're a kid, <laughs> but when you think about it, it, it makes sense. Well, and there's uh 
It's a case for the private sector, too. So let's say I put together some sort of an activity group specifically for homeschoolers. Let's say I have a couple of kids in homeschool, so I take the lead and do that. And I reach out to the community. I get other people involved. And we have some – it doesn't even matter what the activity is. There's some activity we do Wednesday afternoons. And one of the kids is a jerk, right? And he's causing problems. Guess what? You're out. Mm -hmm. I don't have any moral obligation to allow you to continue to be a disruption Which, which probably isn't going to happen because the parents are actively involved in the first place. That's why they're doing homeschooling. But the fact that it can also makes it less likely because you, you have these kids at school today. And my, my sister-in-law is a teacher. And it's, you know, she'll send a kid to the principal's office. Now, when I was in school, you didn't want to go to the principal's office. <laughs> I mean, you really didn't want to. Like, dude, it was like a death. Like, oh, my God, Joe had to go to the principal's office. He's going to die. Right. Now they don't care. They bounce down there. And it just, she sends them right back. They completely disrupt the classroom. There's almost nothing that can be done about it. The parents blame the teachers. And there's no ability to discipline that kid. And when you take that out of the equation, you can have all of these activities with kids getting together, and you don't have that problem. You know, I, my grandson plays baseball. I don't see that happen when he goes to play baseball. I don't see mm -hmm. one kid bullying the other kids on a team because you know it's going to happen. It's not school mm -hmm. baseball, right? It's, it's, it's Little League. Get out of here. You can't stay. And the fact that we can't do that in school anymore, you know, I, I, I think is the bigger problem. Some people think it's a corporal punishment thing. I'm against hitting kids, period. I think it's that you can't take the kid that's being a problem and remove them from the classroom until they get their, their act together. Mm -hmm. and, and they just can't anymore. And I, I, there's no good reason as to why, but I think this falls under the thing with, with parents as they're looking at this as one of their options – It doesn't matter who created the problem. If it affects you or your child, it's your responsibility to fix it. Yeah. You have to deal with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that whole, you know, the, the bullying topic, too, is it, it kind of cuts two ways because you'll get the kid, the good kid who's getting bullied, and, you know, one day they finally work up the nerve to stand up for themselves, and, and then they end up being the one that gets disciplined because the, the bully sort of figured out how to, you know, stay out of trouble and, You know, the, the good kid, quote unquote, hasn't figured that out yet. And so it's sort of this perverse incentive to, you know, just roll over and, and, and kind of take your, uh, your, your beatings every day you know, or, you know, however they're being bullied emotionally or physically. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's, it is, well, the other, the, the reason the ones that do it get away with it, they're professionals. They do it all the time. They have a lot of experience getting away with stuff. So, you know, it's kind of like a typical thing that siblings do. You got the, the younger sibling and just eggs on the older sibling and to the point where the older sibling smacks the younger sibling, and but mom and dad only see the smack, right? Uh, but that's at home, and you could deal with it and whatever. Uh, bullies do that kind of thing in school all the time. They know exactly how to push buttons. That's why they do it. They kind of get off on it. And, uh, again, we're in a situation where either the kid fights back and he gets in trouble, the kid doesn't fight back and he's miserable, Or in many instances, the kid tries to fight back, and he ends up hurt because bullies tend to pick out people that they're stronger than. And they either do it because they're bigger and stronger, or there's five of them and one of you. And I think the con whole concept of we'll teach your kids to defend themselves, good idea, doesn't solve all these problems for a variety of reasons. Yep. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, so you have a, a, a website uh, to help people... Uh, out that are trying to get into this. What, what what is your website? How does it work? What does it provide? Sure. Uh, well, the website's called Be Education, and um, to to be upfront with with people, it's in its infancy. Um, really, just just developed it, so it's brand spanking new. Um, but the way it works is, uh, you know, it's designed to be a, I guess a social networking type site um, by homeschoolers for homeschoolers that also offers a number of tools to help them. Um, you know, not just connect with others, but find materials and, you know, um, exchange products with each other and manage their own homeschools and keep track of their materials and whatnot. Um, so when you first uh, join the, the website and sign up, it has you take a philosophy quiz. Um, and, and, and so the, the purpose of this isn't necessarily to put a label on anybody, but, you know, it just sort of lives in the background. Um, and so... So that's a piece of it. And then, you know, as you set up your homeschool and you add children to your homeschool, it similarly it asks, it gives you a quiz for each of them, and it's sort of directed at figuring out what are their individual learning styles. And again, that just kind of lives in the background. Um, and then you can go on and 
um, you know, set up courses and, um, you know, keep track of grades for yourself if that's what you want to do, um, you know, not just for keeping track of their performance, but also, you know, a lot of states have reporting requirements. So then you can um, print out a transcript either for compliance with the state or also if they go to to um, go to college later in life, you can have a transcript. Um, but every step of the way while you're doing that and you're adding sort of, you know, I used this product or this service or whatever, you know, as part of this quote-unquote course that I'm teaching my child, um, it asks you to do a review of that product. And, you know, as opposed to something like an Amazon where it just sort of stores the review, it makes you do that review for each individual child. So essentially it's uh, it's able to map your experience with that product back to not just your child's learning style but also to your philosophy as a homeschooling parent so that when – um, you know, a new person comes in or, or even an experienced homeschooler that's, um, you know, their child's getting older and moving into, you know, new material or whatever. It can give intelligent recommendations based on, you know, okay, you're, you're a, um, you know, a Christian unschooling type, uh, homeschooling m- mom with a kid who learns, uh, kinesthetically, you know, through, you know, hands on as opposed to verbal. It can, it can tell you, you know, here's maybe a good starting place. Maybe consider these products first. So it's an attempt at um, allowing people to more intelligently search for materials based on their specific situation as opposed to just being overwhelmed by thousands of products out there. Um, so that's sort of – that was the uh, the main, I guess, underpinning of the initial idea. Um, but, of course, there's all sorts of other um, – you know, features that are packed in there, which I'm, I'm happy to go through if you like. But does that make sense? I'm not sure if I explained it well. Um, no, you, you explained it fine. If you want to maybe give us a rundown of some of the features, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's obviously the, the um, you know, benefits that you could see as a, as a newbie homeschooling um, family are, are obvious because, you know, you're coming from no experience and you're trying to connect with others and you know there's a right when you sign up it asks you are, are you an experienced homeschooler or, or a new homeschooler and you know the intention there is to to allow it to kind of match make you with somebody who's you know if you're if you're a beginner like match you with an experienced uh, homeschooling parent so you can have somebody to talk to that's that's um you know has a similar sort of mix of uh philosophical leanings and whatnot um so uh, but but also I think that there's tools there um, that I put in that will help any homeschooling family, even if they're ex- already experienced. Um, you know, so I would sort of bucket them into productivity tools, social tools, and research tools. Um, so on the productivity side, I think I already touched on it. You can just manage their their coursework, um, print transcripts, um, you know, print uh, you know legal filings if you need to. You know, I haven't really built that piece out yet, but I had somebody sign up from New Hampshire that said, "Oh, New Hampshire." Um, you know, requires that you submit a, a reading list every year of what they've read. So, you know, I'm working on putting together a, a printout that they could do where it just shows here's all the books that my kid read over the course of the year. So you can sort of manage that. Um, and uh, on the um, and and so with the transcript stuff, it'll it'll you know ask you questions about um, you know how you want to set up a grading system. And I tried to keep it as simple as I could. And, you know, the end product though is that you'll, you get a printout that says, you know, it gives you a GPA, which, you know, might be required for certain, you know, universities or, or whatnot they're applying to later in life. Um, and then there's social tools. Um, so there's a, uh, I guess like a daily digest sort of feature where you log into, you know, you come to the homepage and it shows you, um, uh, articles, podcasts, whatever that are coming out around the blogosphere. So, um, you know, in, in any of these things, by the way, um, Users can add products, add blogs they listen to, whatever. And so with the blogs, you know, once it kind of makes its way into my big database of blogs, you know, I have uh, RSS feed aggregators that will look for new content coming out and then I'll screen it all and and categorize it. And then it comes out into sort of a feed, um, you know, so people have one, you know, they can stop in one spot each day and see, oh, here's here's where, you know, some new articles I might be interested in rather than having to go, you know, scour four or five, ten different websites every day. Um, and then all those all those um, blogs and podcasts, whatnot, are are searchable. So you could go on and say, I'm looking for a, you know, a Montessori-type podcast or a Charlotte Mason blog, and it'll it'll find them if somebody's added it in, into the system. Um, 
and uh, and and you know an example with Survival Podcast. Uh, since you know I obviously listen to you, I, I it, it you know if, if it sees a, uh, one of your podcasts come out that has the the word Laprise in there, it 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 comes into my feed, and you know I I remember to add it in, so people will say, oh, there's a podcast that just came out on, you know, Survival Podcast that, that touches on homeschooling. So um, that's one of the features. Um, there's also uh, a groups feature. Um, I'm unsure how competitive it will be with Facebook, um, but you know you can you can set up groups and and uh, you can search for groups based on you know what type it, it is, whether it's a co-op or like a meetup or you know a certain you know like a Charlotte Mason group or you know they can be local, they can be you know just cloud-based or whatever, you know more like interest groups. Um, you can set up events and the events can be hosted by either a group or as an or an individual. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to provide a spot where homeschoolers can feel sort of safe from, you know, it's because of the fact that it's a, you know, a homeschooling community. And, um, you know, I built in a feature where uh, uh, you can, if you know, you, there's like a vouching system. I, I took it from Couchsurfing. I don't know if you're familiar with that website. Um, I don't even know if it's still around, but you could you could basically vouch for somebody that say I, I've met this person in person. I know that they're a homeschooling parent. They're not some creep or whatever. And but you can't vouch until you've been vouched for. So I'm trying to create a safe online environment um, that's you know just for homeschoolers. Um, so that's maybe the more social aspect. Um, you know, research tools you can. Um, there's a bunch of product listings. Again, um, people can add products they've used. I mean, I've sort of gotten it started, and hopefully it'll grow over time. Um, and then those those pro- individual product listings are categorized, and people can make reviews. Um, you know, it can uh, you know for for researching, and then they can filter on different subjects or different age groups, or um, you know whether religious religion is integrated or not. Because um, I found that's a, a key thing for homeschoolers is um you know whether you like to have religion integrated with your materials or or whether you don't want that um and uh there's a uh linked to that product um database there's a buy swap sell marketplace so people can um, put up listings either they're selling something or they're looking for something and um that'll that'll link to the details inside of the, the um the uh product section um, so again, just trying to make a spot where people can, um, you know, exchange goods and whatnot. Um, so, uh, so those, those I think are the, the big features. Um, but I'm always looking for new ideas and, and, um, in what, wh- how it can be expanded. I think this is just a starting, a starting point. Um, but, uh, like I said, that the site's in its infancy and kind of where I'm at right now is, is I need to get people into it and start getting content generated, because um, I can, you know, build the, the greatest tool on the planet, and not saying that it is, but you know, I, it doesn't. It's not worth anything if nobody finds it and uses it, and and um, has that content feeding back into it. Um, so, how do you think this site maybe will make homeschooling easier for beginners and experienced homeschoolers alike? Well, um, yeah, I think I, I, I just. Um, like I said, I mean the for for the beginner homeschooler, it's uh, you know it's it's going to be just taking that um, angst away from you know where do I start and you know they go on they take a quiz it it tells them sort of okay maybe you want to start searching in more of the Charlotte Mason type materials or Montessori or whatever and it just kind of takes away that um, overwhelming sensation of you know there just being thousands of things out there and you know and then also just finding other homeschooling families and. And um, and whatnot, and then for the more experienced folks, I think um, you know they would benefit from um, the tools, uh, you, know, you know, storing grades and generating transcripts and and whatnot. Um, I've also, you know, I didn't mention before, I, I um, went state by state and I tried to put in sort of a bulletized list of um, state requirements. Um, so you know, when you when you sign in and you gen- you create your homeschooling profile, it kind of tells you because it knows you know what state you live in, assuming you tell it truthfully, and it'll say, oh, in your state, you know, you got to do this every year or that every year. And so, um, I think it'll I think it would be um, there's going to be tools uh, that'll be useful for for both um, beginners and experienced folks alike. Very cool, man. So what what kind of p- pushed you to Take this up is kind of a side hustle, right? I mean, that, that that's really what you're doing here. Yeah. Um, so, 
for me, uh, every every big life decision, in, including employment, needs to be one that advances the the family goal of where and how to live. And I, I decided shortly after um, my red pill moment uh, that I talked about that you know we'd be actively working towards designing the life that that we want to live. Um, and at first, that was about just saving money and learning life skills and kind of meeting commitments that we've made to people. Um, professionally and otherwise, and then it turned into more, you know, figuring out where we want to lay roots. And for us, we wanted to get away from big cities and closer to nature, build an off-grid homestead, and kind of provide an amazing place for our children to, you know, just be children and grow up. And you know, once we figured out where where we were going to settle, it turned into, well, how can we generate an income stream? Um, you know, because it, it was becoming incompatible with my my current, you know, employment situation. Um, and for me, that was a pretty difficult question to answer. Um, you know, I'd been with, uh, with doing the, with the same company for, you know, nearly 15 years and I'd had such a mixed bag background and, you know, I was in such a niche role. It was like, well, what do, what do I want to do? And so I, I kind of, um, made myself my own project and, and really took an analytical approach to it. And, um, you know, I took an aptitude test at, at some, uh, it's called the Johnson O'Connor Institute, I think is what it's called. Um, they have locations in all different cities and sort of a day and a half of testing where it tells you, you know, here's how you're naturally hardwired, like what you're hardwired to be good at. What are you naturally gifted at? And this was, um, initially, I guess, funded by, um, GM in the 1920s to kind of find what their employees were naturally gifted at so they could put them in those roles and, and, um, and be more productive and happier and feeling more fulfilled because they're doing something that comes naturally to them. Um, so they're still around. And, and that was, you know, I guess call it a data point on myself. And, um, you know, I did personality tested the whole MBTI thing. And I also, uh, went through 14 years of performance reviews at my, um, place of work and, you know, which I had several different managers and I looked for trends and just tried to figure out like, you know, what am I good at? What am I not good at? Um, cause everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses and, and um and I think that was made it um you know easier for me to at least know what I shouldn't be doing. So if I'm looking at, you know, job opportunities or thinking about what I want to do, I can say, now, nah, you know, I know that's not gonna work for me or yeah, that might work. Um and at the same time I wanted to get multiple irons going in the fire. Um so I kinda took a two pronged approach. One was to uh do the traditional job search um, and the other was to develop my own business. So it turns out I did end up finding another job, um, but you know, uh, which I've just started. But I, you know, I've also, you know, built this website, um, and you know, it's up, it's done now. And I, or I shouldn't say done, it's it's you know uh, something that can be used. Um, so I'd still like to pursue that. Um, but uh, you know, and then you know, but at the time when I was figuring out what business would I want to start, what would I, you know, what would I do? Because um, that can be when it's a real broad question like that. It's like where do you start? And um, you know, I think that the key difference you need to make is in the question that you ask yourself is, you know, the concept of asking how do I make money versus how do I add value? And um, specifically, I would lengthen that to me to say how can I add value doing something I'm naturally good at for a cause I care about? And so when I articulated the question more like that. You know, it sort of the, the idea just sort of started coming to me. Um, you know, I, I knew that I was good at, um, you know, coming up with out of the box ideas um, when it comes to IT and websites and that sort of thing, and that I'm, you know, good at getting things started from scratch. And um, you know, I, I um, you know, it was obviously uh, homeschooling is a cause that I um, felt personally connected to, and um, you know, so it all seemed to align with what I'm good at. Uh, you know my personality type which all that stuff sort of said by the way like you know you're you should be you know in some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor or at least the guy coming up with some new idea and trying to launch things so it all seemed to fit um and so you know i just sort of sort of rolled with it and um and so that's that's where the that's where that you know that decision came from and i guess that was a long-winded answer but um no that's cool uh, in all this, you know, we kind of talked about the features of your website, some of them anyway. Is there things about it? Because there are resources like this available. Are there things about yours that kind of are differentiators or set it apart from uh, what you would, call, I guess, call competitors? Yeah, I mean, um, for one, I would say uh, the key differentiator is I don't think there's any website out there that, that will um, – 
you know, make those linkages between uh, your, you know, homeschooling philosophy and, um, you know, your kids' learning styles with your reviews and thus allowing, like, some sort of intelligent data mining or search capabilities. I don't think that that exists, or at least I haven't found it. Um, So that would be one. Um, The other is, you know, I I feel like a lot of resources out there, and there are lots of them, um, you know, they tend to be targeted towards a specific segment of the market, like you'll go to one and it's really heavily, you know, uh, you know, got a religious slant to it, or you'll have um, one that's, you know, all just unschooling or, you know, all we want that's all Charlotte Mason or, or whatnot. So they seem to be very, like, targeted and specific. Um, you know, and I, I wanted to create something that uh, was, I guess, you know, a, a spot for everybody, um, you know, where you could all you could kind of get this big community regardless of exactly what little slice of it you fell into. Um, the other differentiator, I would say, is, you know, I see a lot of sites that are um, ad driven or or they're, you know, they got affiliate links to, to um, products and that's their their main revenue source. And so I wanted to be. Um, not driven by ads, not promoting any you know one product, just having it all there, the good and the bad, and, and letting people review it and and um, and whatnot. Um, so that's a differentiator. I um, you know I wanted it to be um, as much as possible be completely user driven content. So I, my hope is that I get users um, in the website actually publishing articles and posts and um, and that's and, and driving the content. You know, I guess think of it almost like a Wikipedia where, you know, you, if you want to, you can click on a page and say, edit this and, you know, I'll screen it, you know, make sure, you know, it's, it's not something wacky. But, um, you know, like having, having that user interaction into the actual content creation piece of it and not just, you know, somebody's personal blog and, you know, one person's opinion or a few people's opinion. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and, and, um, and on that, you know, I, uh, with with it, I'm trying to promote the whole user engagement thing. My idea is eventually, um, you know, if it takes off and you know it actually starts being something that I can charge for in the future, that um, I'd be able to. Well, in fact, I already am. You keep keep track of what everybody's contributions are. You know, how how often are they reviewing products or posting an article or um, selling, taking advantage of the marketplace, buy, swap, sell, or whatnot. And um, figure out, you know, uh, I guess call it a commission rate, and actually give back um, some of the, you know, leftover profits from it back to people that um, that provided content into it. Um, so that's that's an idea that's kicking around. Um, of course, you know, right now it's you know it's not anything that I feel comfortable charging for, so I'm not there yet. But I really do want that to be a differentiating fact on the fact that it's, um, you know, very user driven. Very cool. Um, and you said that there, you know, there's obviously being a side hustle, um, you want to have a revenue model. Can you talk maybe a little bit more about that? You kind of mentioned something that sounded like there might be some sort of uh, revenue share with with uh, users. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do. Um, you know, like I said, right now I, I'm it's you know, it's all free, and you know I'm just seeing if this is even going to be something that people are interested in. Um, but my, my, um, thought would be that it'd be a subscription based ser- service where, you know, you pay like an annual fee or something and you keep it, keep it low and, and manageable for people. But with that, they get all these tools, they get the community, they get, you know, a place to, um, interact with each other. And, um, and, and so that way I'm not, you know, beholden to, you know, trying to beg people for affiliate links and, and, or, you know, whatnot to, to be paying the bills to maintain the website, um, so that would be my hope. And you know, I've certainly signed up for websites that are you know just a digest of you know here's a daily reading list. You know, and so I'm thinking if you know I've got that and so much more. Hopefully someday this is something that people would would see value in. And and um, you know, and then once that revenue stream gets going, yes, I, I would like to you know take profits and and somehow. I guess give something back to those that are your really active users and helping to to build the content because without that content it really you know it won't have that value um, so I want to promote that. Gotcha, man. So one of the things they say about side hustles and doing things like this is even if it doesn't work out, right? You learn so much and you add so much to your 
you know, your, your, your quiver of arrows for your own freedom. What are some mm -hmm. of the things that you've been able to learn that you'll now be able to apply to other things? If this works out, great. If not, you can do something else. Yeah. Um, well, uh, definitely a lot on the um, technical side of things. I, I hadn't really been involved in IT for a long time, so my skills there had gotten a little bit stale. Um, I, I uh, designed the website with WordPress, um, and it's actually turned out to be quite a complicated WordPress website. Um, so I got pretty good with WordPress, um, doing some pretty advanced stuff. Um, I also had to teach myself PHP programming, so I learned how to code in PHP. I wouldn't call myself, you know, a guru, um, but I can do it, and, and that's a skill I've picked up. Um, I, uh, you know, figured out how to integrate WooCommerce and do credit card processing and accepting cryptocurrencies and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's just interesting because, like, my, my brother who um, just got married, his, his uh, wife is thinking about starting a business doing uh, wedding planning, and he was asking me, you know, could you help us start up a website? And, you know, before I did this, I would have probably been reluctant to say yes, but now I, I know that I've got that ability and, and I can honestly say to him, yeah, you know, for what you're doing, I could bang that thing out pretty quick. Um, so that's definitely some skills I've picked up. Um, you know, on some of the more businessy stuff, definitely you've learned some of the limitations of using Facebook as an advertising means. Um, Yeah, certainly on their actual ads that you can purchase, um, I think those really don't do much. But even on the trying to, um, you know, do it through groups, um, groups seem to be, uh, you know, you'll be on a, a homeschooling group with 50,000 people, but, you know, they don't let you promote anything or talk about anything. So you're, it's sort of like this weird catch-22 where you can't even, um, you know, tell anybody in any sort of large audience what your idea is. Um, so I've struggled with, with that, um, and learned some of the limitations there. Um, I've learned about the Amazon affiliate program. Um, so I, I tied that into the site, um, not, not with the intention being a primary revenue driver, but, you know, if they're going to be clicking on the things through the site anyways, you might as well, um, you know, be a part of that affiliate program. Um, on the legal side, I, I learned how to, how to set up an LLC and perhaps how not to set up an LLC. Um, in hindsight, I think I probably wouldn't have done it right away. Um, I, uh, at the time, my wife and I didn't know where we were going to be settling, so I opened one in Delaware, and you know now we we you know we're settled in New Hampshire, and um, you know it probably would have been easier just to set one up locally, and and um, and, and plus I didn't even know if, if the idea was going to work, so it was probably a bit premature. So I, I probably wasted some money there. Um, so I, I learned to be a little bit more, um, maybe think that sort of stuff through a little bit better. Um, and I guess the, um, the last thing is, you know, just not to wait around for things to be perfect. I mean, I started working on this over a year ago and I, I killed myself for, you know, over half a year, um, basically working two jobs trying to get this thing built. And, um, you know, it's not, it's still not perfect, um, But at some point, um, you know, I think this is advice that you give, and it's kind of helped me to have a little um, kick in the rear, but you just have to put yourself out there. And, and um, you know, I'm sure that there's bugs in this site and, you know, some things that might not work quite right. Um, but at some point, you got to throw yourself out there in, in front of a large audience and see what sort of response you get. And, you know, it, it'd be great if um, the TSB community can get involved somehow and, and you know, help help shape it and help turn it into something great or um, you know, who knows, maybe I'll figure out that, that it's a flop and I, you know, I should just, um, you know, move on to other things. Um, but you're not going to figure that out unless you just say, okay, it's, it's not perfect yet, but let's, let's roll with it and see what happens. Um, so th those are some of the things I've, I've learned. And I think those, those would help me in any number of endeavors. That's very cool. And I think that's something that people really do need to understand that there's just so many, advantages to giving something like this a shot uh, and, and, and trying to do it in some way that does follow something that's important to you, something you're passionate about. Because I would imagine, like, there was some probably some roadblocks and things you had to figure out and times where you had to work when you didn't. And, you know, when you believe in something, it's easier to get through those periods of time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what do you think people can do to help you get this up, up up off the ground well um you know i i'd love for people to come on and 
set up an account and just start using it and um you know let me know what they think and you know but but more importantly just provide me feedback let let me know when something doesn't work quite right or it's not doing what you think it should and um you know i've i built in uh you know easy ways for for you to contact me if something's not working right um suggest features that you think should be there to make it more worthwhile to you um you know establish groups uh you know maybe we get a, a TSP group going on there or something and um you know just start playing around with those tools and seeing if if um you know how they work and if if you find value in them and and providing that feedback to me um and uh you know hopefully I can respond to those inquiries and and help uh keep developing it to to make it um even bigger and better than it is um right now and you know if and then i guess lastly if you are happy with it and or you see any sort of potential in it whatsoever just tell people about it because um i think that's how this sort of thing will really spread is more the testimonial aspect and people just telling their friends or getting them involved and and um letting them know it's available um because it's it's hard when you're you know trying to do all that yourself and and um yeah so so i'd say those are the those are the 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 big things i'd i'd hope for awesome man so um give people the website address again cuz it's a little one you know, of these newer domains right yeah you know i really struggled with trying to find a domain name that i liked um uh, and it, it i'd never heard of of one that had more than like three characters in it as a domain name extension but um the website address is literally b.education uh b.education if you type that into your browser it'll take you right to the website um and uh i guess you know one one comment uh, i'd like to leave you with um you know because it it pertains to that name um you know i won't go into the the full backstory but uh back in 2012 i i went to um one of the presidential you know conventions um as a delegate uh, thinking i might have some positive impact and um what i realized from that experience is that it's all smoke and mirrors it's grand theater for the masses and if you want to change the world you have to do it by changing your own life and essentially becoming the change that you wish to see in the world and so i've tried to live um you know under that mantra ever since you know and i and it play, it plays into how i spend my money where i choose to live how i choose to live and how i choose to teach and raise my children and um so the name of the website is inspired by by this thought you know if if you have an issue with the educational system or if you simply want something better for your child inside of the system don't wait around for somebody else to solve these problems or take care of them for you become that change in education you want to see and through homeschooling in particular you can essentially be your own educational system and so um even if my website isn't successful i hope and expect um fully that more and more people will migrate towards alternative educational systems and i truly hope the members of the tsb community in particular can find it in themselves to both believe they can do it as as well as to take those first steps because once you do it it can be um truly empowering well and i think there's such a need for it because i mean you've got experience now with this but every person i was going to say every child and i realized like that's just not the right statement because first of all one of my problems with the, with the government system is the fact that we're always calling them children 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 mm. and there's an assertion to that, that 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 they don't have rights and i understand legally that you know you 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 gain certain recognized legal rights as you you mature and you get older and what have you however they are people they're humans and we when we we discuss them as a group as just their children and we're talking about kids that are from age 5 to 18 and we lump that all together as children it's like there's this thing over here that we have this like well it's something we have to deal with it's something you know, we just have to educate kids mm -hmm. right and then we can make these generic arguments when what we're talking about i was listening to uh Something apparently happened up near Columbine. There was a, a a girl from the school or something like that that threatened to shoot shoot up Columbine mm. again coming up on the um, anniversary of it, and they found her dead. She killed herself. But the thing that caught me was they said something like eighty two thousand students in our district this affects eighty two thousand students in one school district. So when you start to think of numbers like that, and then well, we just need pr a program. We need a, a way, you know, like, that, that, this is ridiculous. And, mm -hmm. you know, what you said about parents not necessarily knowing everything that their kids have to learn, 
There's so much of that. Number one, well, great. Now you and your kid can learn it together, and your kid can learn how to learn, which mm -hmm. is what we're supposed to do instead of just tell them what to know. Um, but the other thing is it proves that you know we have people that are computer programmers, like yourself. We have people that are engineers. We have people that are you know, massive different numbers of high-level professionals homeschooling their kids today having to relearn that which they supposedly learned in fifth or sixth grade. Mm -hmm. which shows you that a lot of what they're teaching is completely unnecessary to function in, in society, or that would not be the case. Because don't tell me a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, you know, or a minister or, you know, uh, anybody that's, that, that's doing a professional job can't function in society. Clearly they do. Uh, often they function better than the people that make that claim. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing to me that, um, it's honestly amazing to me that we don't have more options for education as a whole, and I think that until we do, I mean, homeschooling is probably the best one. Yeah, um, and it's it's interesting. Um, you're talking about uh, you know lumping them in and calling them children. One of the um, you know consistent things I see across all the different um, approaches towards homeschooling, um, one of the most consistent um, ideas is that they're born people. Yes, um, and it's such a different way of thinking of things than. Um, than what's considered mainstream, but that's you see that in almost every single approach to homeschooling. Yeah, yeah, it's something I picked up on long ago when I would see young women with a baby passing it around like it's a doll, you know. And I don't mm -hmm. mean hurting it or anything, but you know, talking about dressing it up and all, and it just seemed like that's a little human being, that's a little person. This is just something for you to play with, you know. And I know they didn't mm -hmm. mean it that way, but like that's that's how I would feel when I would see that, and I was like. Well, then we got to expand that across the totality of things. I try to talk to my eight-year-old grandson like he's a young man, not like he's a kid. And I know he is a kid, but he's also a young man, right? My granddaughter's three. She's still really a baby. Well, she's not even three yet. She's about to be for three. She's still really, in, in essence, a baby. But she's still a little person with her own ideas and her own thoughts and her own way of seeing the world. And mm -hmm. to try to be generic, teach just those two kids are drastically different. Then you put 86,000 people in a bucket, call them kids so it makes it okay to just ram, you know, one size fits all down their throat for the first nine, well, ten years. And then, you know, the last three or four, uh, you could do a little bit of different here and there, but it's still basically the same crap and you take the same test and go to the same college. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it, I'm really glad to see people like you doing the work that you are. Again, the uh, website is b.education, and I hope people do get by and sign up and be part of it. And uh, with that, Aaron, man, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. All right, I enjoyed talking to Aaron today. I wanted to announce something on the air. I meant to do it yesterday, and I just forgot to put it on the show. Um, we are headed for episode 2500. That is a landmark episode. If there ever has been such a thing as a landmark episode in a podcast, 2500. I think most podcasts never see 100, let alone 1,000, let alone 2500 episodes. 2500 times we've gotten together over over a decade now. And I thought that this would be what we would do this time around. You know, uh, for a one-year anniversary show, we had people call in and talk about how the podcast had affected their lives. And then when we had um, episode 1,000, we did that again. And we ended up with people limited to two minutes, almost five hours of calls, uh, people calling in and talking about it. We're only about 25 episodes away, so we don't have as long of a buildup this time. So I don't know if we'll end up with five hours of calls. But I want you guys to call in and talk about the positive things that Survival Podcast has brought to your life. However, there's a couple important things here. Number one... Don't call the think line. I mean, if you call the think line, I will probably figure it out and move it over. But I have a special number that I'm about to give you that you can call in if you want to call in and tell me about this for episode 2500. I'm calling it, it doesn't spell jerk, but I'm calling it the jerk line, though. This is what we're going to do. I want you to call in and say something like, Hi, Jack, this is Tom, and you're such a jerk, and here's why, or something like that. Play with it, have fun with it. If you're new to the show and you're like, What is this? 
way back in the beginning of the show, I would like teach about like debt elimination. I'm like, you know what? You, if you do what I say, you're never going to call me up and go, Jack, you're such a jerk. I went and followed your advice. I paid off all my debt. Now I'm debt free and I have all this stupid money. You jerk. And then somewhere around year five to seven, I kind of got my first email or phone call where somebody said, you know, Jack, you're a jerk because you always prepared or whatever. And it was like a joke. And then, well, I put it on the air and then it became a thing. Right, so now I am officially a jerk for all the good things that have happened out of TSP, and so I thought this would be fun to be told over and over again why I'm a jerk. Because I have to tell you, every time I get an email or a, a phone call, and you say, "Jack, you're a jerk because of you, I have this side business now, and I paid off all my debt, and I'm homeschooling my kids, or whatever." It's like, man, it just makes my day. So I thought it would be fun. Here is the number for the jerk line: eight seven seven six four four. One three four five again, eight seven seven six four four one three four five eight seven seven six four four thirteen forty five. It's the jerk line. Call on in. Tell me why I'm a jerk, and you will hear yourself on episode twenty five hundred of the Survival Podcast. Let's make this a great one. It is. It is a pretty big accomplishment, I think, to be here for twenty five episodes. Uh, all of you guys helped me get there. I want to hear, and I, I don't just want to hear like. What you got out of the podcast? Like we have so many communities and sub communities now. The Zello Group, the Get Shit Done Cruise in Tennessee, um, you know the, uh, the the Facebook forum, the action, the, the old school forum. Man, we got meetup groups. There's so much going on. So if it has anything to do with TSP, try to get it in when you call the jerk line. They'll know. I'm limiting you to about two minutes. It'll cut you off. So let's you know don't have an idea what you're going to say when you call in. Call in. Tell me why I'm a jerk. One more time before we sign off today. The jerk line is at 877-644-1345. With that, let's, uh, let's talk about our song of the day today. Uh, we have obscure music trivia songs this week. And this song would be, if you were asking the trivia question, what was the first song played on MTV? It would be, and many of you know it because I've played it before, Video killed the radio star from the Buggles. Uh, John Adam, when he sent this in, he said it was an interesting time for music experimentation. This is not actually his thing, though, but he thought it was an interesting song for you know this obscure week. I'm going to tell you something you're going to be probably surprised about. I like music like this. I like this kind of techno. Like This is kind of in line with stuff that you would get from like Devo and stuff like that. Um, later on, in some way similar to things like B-52s and what have you. Um, I like this music. I like this music, though, like I like salt, right? I'm not going to eat a plate of salt. If I'm listening to, like, 80s, late 70s, mid-80s, in that range, and songs like this come on, then I actually enjoy them. As long as the song before them and the song after them and probably the song before and after that weren't this, Kind of, you get it, what I'm saying? Like a little bit of salt thrown in with the rest of the stuff from the 80s. You know, good stuff like, you know, ACDC, Van Halen, yeah. Um, it, you know, so I do like this. Now, my thing with this song, I actually remember this song. We got cable. When we lived in Florida in 81. We got cable like right before MTV came out. And we had this cable box. I, I, I don't know if you know a lot of you have ever even seen one. When they first came out, the cable box sat on the top of the TV. There was no remote for it and had a slider. And the slider went from 2 to 144. There weren't 141 channels, though. And you had to get up and you slid the little thing back and forth. And I don't remember what channel, what MTV was, but I knew that we had heard it was coming. And we were a music-loving group, man. And so we're going to watch it. And I remember I remember watching the first video play on MTV, and it was this song. Do you know what that makes me? Old. That's what it makes me. It makes me old. Anyway, so it's a little bit nostalgic for me. I bet it is for many of you that are around my age, a little older, a little younger, because even if you didn't see it the first time, when MTV came out and it was available... This song was on it, and it proved the viability of MTV. This song did crappy in the charts until it was on MTV. Then it became a number one hit. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. 
helping you figure out how to live that better life. Times get tough, or even if they don't. I-